Have you guys enjoyed this series so far, Bold Prayers? <laughs> if it's your first time with us, listen, we have been in a series uh, unpacking a few different bold prayers saying, God, we're believing for some big things. And, and it's gotten a little bit uncomfortable here and there. And, and we've been leaning into a, a key scripture. And if you got your wristband on, raise it up in the air. If you got your wristband, we've been passing out these wristbands. And on one side, it says hashtag when you pray, because the Bible talks about when you pray, it's an expectation, right? It's not a suggestion. And then on the other side, it says Hebrews 4.16, and that's the key scripture we've been leaning into. If Hebrews 4.16 says this, it says, so let us boldly approach God's throne of grace. Then we will receive mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it. So, so far in week one, I brought a message on praying the bold prayer, God Make me bold. Anyone else pray that prayer that week? God, make me bold. That's an uncomfortable prayer. We prayed about, we talked about how if God was to answer our prayer today, would it change your world or would it change the world? And then last week, Pastor Trey, he brought an incredible word, didn't he? An incredible word on God, speak to me. God, speak to me. I want to hear you, God. And he talked about how how. God doesn't have a speaking problem. A lot of times we have a listening problem, right? Well, today, I'm going to make you really uncomfortable. So welcome to Vibrant Church. You know, this is one of those messages that I've heard people say over the years sometimes. They say things like, well, that church is so big, they must not preach something that's difficult to hear. If you ever hear that in the future, you just replay this message today, okay? This is one of those ones, so buckle up. I hope you're ready. Get your helmet on, some steel-toed boots. We're going to go there today and step on some toes. You guys ready? <laughs> All right. So today I'm, I'm going to talk about a prayer that's really uncomfortable because it requires us to be real. It requires us to be honest. It requires us to be transparent. It requires us to be authentic. All the things that we don't like, Right? But if we truly allow God to search us, we begin to allow God to take control of us. We allow God to take us to a new level. We allow God to, to bring us to where he intends for us to be. And so when you pray, God, search me, you aren't praying some simple, safe prayer. No, no, no. What you're praying is a prayer that is bold and terrifying. So today... I don't want this to appear as if it's Mike trying to examine your heart. That's, that's not accurate today. Today, this is Mike pointing out a few things, challenging you, challenging myself to be bold enough to allow God to examine our hearts. So today, I want to look at a prayer that David prayed in Psalms 139. And we're going to be in Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. If you have your Bibles with you, your cell phone with you, whatever you have, and really, Psalms 139, the entire thing is a prayer that David prayed, and the whole thing is incredible. I'm really going to focus in on verse 23 and 24 today, though. And here's the context. See, David, he had this intimate relationship with God that really shaped his perspective on life. David, many times, is, is looked at as like a hero. You know, in the Bible, he's, taught, he's looked at as a hero because of David and Goliath, right? He's looked at as a hero because he becomes the king. But he also had plenty of shortcomings as well. But even in his shortcomings, in 1 Samuel, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart, right? 
But if you grew up in church, I want to kind of mess with your head for a second. If you grew up like me, we grew up hearing that David was this man after God's own heart. He was like this other level of holy. He was like more Christian than I could ever be, right? He was a man after God's own heart. But the Bible clearly talks about how David struggled with a lot of sexual sin. He also had a murderous issue in there. See, David was pretty messed up too. So you could breathe a little easier today. David wasn't perfect. But the Bible does say that he was a man after God's own heart. See, a lot of times we, we almost translate that as he was a man with God's own heart, but that's not true. He was a man after God's heart. He was pursuing it. He was after it. In Psalms 139, 23, and 24, he prays this prayer that I want us to lean into today. Are you ready? Let's read it together. It says this. Search me, God, and know my, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So today what I want to do is literally take this small amount of scripture and break it up into even smaller bite-sized pieces or really bite-sized prayers. So I have this in your notes right here. Here's the first bite-sized prayer I want us to unpack today. Are you ready? God, search me. Someone say, God, search me. See, David starts by saying, God, search me and know my heart. In other words, God, I want you to search my heart. But why do we need God to search our heart? Because without Christ, your heart and my heart is wicked. You're like, man, this is, that's a little intense, Mike. I think a lot of people have a good heart, right? We say that a lot, don't we? Oh, they have a good heart. Don't we do that? We say that when, when someone's being like kind, and we're like, oh, they're so sweet. They have such a good heart. What's strange though is we say it in reverse also. We say things like, I just can't stand them, but I know they have a good heart. <laughs> Don't we do that? It's become like the modern day, the 2021 version of, bless your heart, <laughs> right? You can go and tell someone like, oh, bless your heart. It's like, thank you. And you also, you look at an ugly baby and you're like, oh, bless his heart, <laughs> right? For some reason, that could be used in reverse. I don't know how this works, but, but we use that term all the time. They have such a good heart. But if you look in Jeremiah 17, 9, this is what it says. It says the human heart is the most deceitful among all things and desperately wicked. The heart is the most deceitful of all things. If you look up that word deceit, it simply means this. It means to misrepresent the truth. To misrepresent the truth. So check this out. We're not just being deceitful to other people. In my thoughts is this, is that our heart is probably the most deceitful to what is in its closest proximity, and that is us. See, the heart is the most deceitful, and it deceives us. Situations like this. I'm not materialistic. I just like to have nice things. Right? I, my neighbor bought a boat, and I've never been on a boat, but I feel like we should start doing that, right? I, I'm not materialistic. Just because my sister, you know, bought these things over here, and I want one too, doesn't make me materialistic. I just like to have nice things. I'm not materialistic, all right? What about, what about this? I'm not a gossiper. 
Some of you already got nervous. I'm not a gossiper. I just told her about what she did so she could be praying for her. I told these people some of the negative things that they were doing because I love them and want them to be cautious. But I'm not a gossiper, right? I'm not full of pride. Just because God blessed me and I could do it better, I'm not full of pride, right? I mean... Just because everything they're doing is wrong and I know how to do it right, I'm not full of pride. God just blessed me this way. See, we need to understand that without Christ, our heart is not good. It is a deceitful heart. That's why we need to be a person like David who is after God's heart, pursuing it. Amen? See, this is why it's such a bold prayer to pray. God, search my heart. This is why it's so uncomfortable. Because if God is truly going to search your heart, he's going to show you some things that are kind of messy. He's going to show you some things that aren't pure. When I think about my son, Max, he's four years old. Max, he's always been intense. And Max loves his toys. Loves his toys. So I brought his toy box with me today. He loves his toys. All right. His favorite toy, though, is his Iron Man. He has to have his Iron Man. I actually had to get permission from my four-year-old to bring Iron Man with me to church today. And he's going, why? Do I get it back? I'm like, yeah, I'm just borrowing it. He loves his Iron Man. But Max is real intense. See, this is the way he goes and looks for his toys. He, He doesn't just calmly go over there and search for his toys. He'll open up his toy box and here he is in his four year old self and he just goes like this. Got it. Right? This is how Max does it. He just throws everything everywhere to find the one thing he was looking for. And see, this is the way I think God is. In order for him to get to what he wants out of you, he's going to have to uncover some of the mess that's in you. Amen? Here's the thing. He's going to expose some of the things in your life. So if you're going to pray this prayer, you have to be willing to say, God, I'm okay with you exposing a few things. See, God doesn't expose these things just to be cruel to you. He does it so you can get into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him and be more like Jesus. Matter of fact, later in the summer, we're going to do a series about being like Jesus. Because as Christians, a lot of times, we like Jesus. But are we like Jesus? See, God wants to be the priority in your heart. So David prayed, God, search My heart. Here's the next thing we need to be praying. You ready? God, know me. Someone say, God, know me. God, know me. Let's look back at what David says in Psalms 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What is it that makes you feel anxious? Many times we don't acknowledge the source of our anxiety. So what is it that makes you afraid? Some of you right now are thinking like spiders. If you weren't, now you are. A little tickle in the back of your leg. Right? Everyone's starting to squirm. Maybe you're thinking about a scary movie. My wife sees the commercial for a scary movie. She didn't sleep for like a week. But that's not the fear and the anxiety that I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about what makes you feel anxious or fearful on the inside. Is it supplying for your family? Is it losing a job? Is it not being married by a certain age? Is it feeling like you're stuck in a marriage that isn't getting better? Is it that you're not good enough? Do you feel sometimes like you're not smart enough? Maybe you're not worth it? You feel like you're less than? What is it that makes you feel anxious on the inside that maybe no one else knows? And why should we even examine this? Why should we say, God, know my anxious thoughts? This is why I think so. I think because what we fear the most many times reveals where we trust God the least. A lot of times what we fear the most reveals where we trust God to least. See, going back to the toys here, just because sometimes we can look like a Christian, just because we can look like we have everything together, sometimes we take all these things and we just shove it in the box, but if you just shove it all back in the box and close the lid, there's still a mess. Just because no one else around you can see it, the mess is still there and it still needs to be addressed. It still needs to be cleaned up. So our next prayer we're gonna pray is this. God, confront me. Someone say, God, confront me. God, confront me. This is where it gets a lot more difficult. Most people don't enjoy confrontation and this is where if you're saying, God, uncover my sin, this is going to cause confrontation. It's a whole lot easier for us to point out someone else's sin than for us to look at our own. If we look back at that scripture, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, see if there's any offensive way in me. He's praying, God, show me if there's anything in my life that is not consistent with your word. God, show me if there's anything in my life that's not consistent with your truth. God, is there anything in my life that is displeasing to you, is what he's praying here. But it's so much easier to identify everyone else's problems, isn't it? It's so much easier to point to everyone else's mess. But when we look at our own mess, you know what we do a lot of times? We justify it. I acted this way because they said this or they did that. I didn't work on this part of my marriage because it was no use because of them, right? I didn't give wholeheartedly because of what they do. I screamed and yelled and said some pretty degrading things to them because they got me to my very last nerve. We justify it. But if it's someone else, Doing it, all of a sudden we're like a master in the subject, aren't we? See, the heart is the most deceitful above all things, and it deceives us. So I have three brief questions that I think we need to be asking in our prayer time. These three questions. Here's the first one. Write this down. What's my circle saying? What is my circle saying? What are the people closest to you saying? If the people that are closest to you that love you are lovingly telling you that you have an anger issue, you probably shouldn't scream and get angry at them. You might have an anger issue. Maybe it needs to be addressed. Maybe they're saying, hey, look, you seem really insecure in this area. 
Maybe it's someplace that you need to work on building some confidence and see who God sees you as. Maybe multiple people are telling you you need to let some things roll off your back. Maybe it's time to listen and think, man, am I holding on to too much and not letting it go to God? See, if good, God-loving people are saying similar things to you in love, maybe God is using them to get through to you. The second thing is this. Write this down. What have I justified? What have I justified? This is a tough one. But ask God to reveal this to you. God, what have I justified? See, to justify simply means this. It means to show as right or reasonable. So what things in your heart, what things in my heart, are not right or reasonable to God's heart is what we need to be asking. Things like, this is just how I cope. And it's really no one else's business. Maybe things like, you know, I just, as long as I do this at my house, it doesn't affect anyone else. Think about it. How many sins do we attempt to show as right or reasonable? I mean, let's start off light and then we'll go heavier as we go. Gluttony. This is like not even seen as a sin anymore in our society, in our culture, right? Why is something like gluttony not seen as a sin anymore? Because we've justified it, right? There's plenty of times in my life where I'm like, well, you know, I need to start eating healthier and exercising and taking care of my body. And then I go to Disney World and I look around. I'm like, well, by the looks of it, I'm a swimsuit model, <laughs> right? So I'll take a few more churros and some Mickey ice creams, a few more turkey legs, and, 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 right? Why? Because I justified it because of my surroundings. What about this? What about lying? A lot of us are going, well, I'm not a liar. Okay, so you're telling me you were 100% honest on your taxes. Well, you know, that big government, they're going to steal from me, so I didn't tell them about all my cash. Okay, well, that's being dishonest which equals, I told you this was gonna be uncomfortable. I wasn't expecting a lot of amens today, I'll tell you that. Well, look, I used a vacation day to kick off my, I, I used a sick day to kick off my vacation, but everyone in the office does it, right? You see what we do? We justify it. What about this one? Lust. This is a big one in today's culture. Big one in society today. This is the one that David dealt with the most as well. But the fact is, is that sex sells. I mean, there are common commercials on TV today that would have been considered soft porn years ago. I know this is not comfortable to hear, but how do we truly allow God to search our hearts and make a difference and change us if we're not willing to address the mess? So let's go there today. Let's get uncomfortable. These are the updated statistics from March 2021. As many as 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to pornography as early as 11 years old. That should bother you. 12% of web pages on the internet are pornographic. 5 to 8% of adults are completely addicted to pornography 
and watch an average of over 11 hours a week. Studies show that pornography has a direct effect on people in the form of anxiety, depression, sex addiction, social anxiety, and substance abuse. Come on, church. There's a problem. I think about how many men that I've, I've worked with that are struggling with this sin. And the fact is, is that many times, some of you, maybe in this room, some of you watching online, many times what we do is because we know so many other men deal with it, we justify it. David was a man after God's own heart, and he did some of these things. I must be all right. I justify it, right? I had a man ask me a couple years ago. He said, okay, but if your wife is okay with it, is it okay? I'm going to tell you the same thing I told him a couple years ago. No, because you can't justify sin. See, sin is sin no matter how you look at it. It doesn't matter how many people tell you it's okay, it's still sin. You can't justify sin. You can't take sin and show it as right and reasonable. The reason why we try is because our heart is deceitful. Our heart will try to misrepresent the truth. But you know what the Bible says about the truth? John 14, 6. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What about John 8, 32? It says, and you will know the, come on, we do better than that, and you can know, you'll know the, and the will set you free. You can have freedom. Don't allow your heart to misrepresent the truth. Rather, what we need to be doing is praying prayers like David did earlier in Psalms, in Psalms 25, 5, where he says, lead me in your Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I will wait all day long. See, we do this far too often in today's culture. We constantly try to make ourselves feel better by justifying our sin. But the fact of the matter is, it's still sin. Why in your life are you working so hard to show as right or reasonable, but at the end of the day, it's just flat out sin. Remember that verse in Jeremiah 17, 9, where it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked? So if being deceitful is to misrepresent, then trying to show our sin is right and reasonable is actually, check this out, our wicked heart misrepresenting our sin and trying to show it is right. See how this is all connected? So you need to ask God, God, what is my circle saying? God, what am I justifying? You also need to ask this, number three. Where am I the most defensive? Where am I the most defensive? Because where you are the most defensive will often shine a light on where God needs to search the most. Look, I'm not trying to get into like church legalism here today. What I'm trying to do is, is make the point that sin equals sin, period. And if we truly want to be who God has created us to be, who he has called you to be, then we need to allow some of our mess to get cleaned up. We need to allow him to expose a few things so he can take the calling and the purpose that he's put in you and develop that without all the other distractions in the way. We have to stop justifying and fighting for things that shouldn't be there in our heart. You know, some of these things, they just need to be thrown out. You know, like, 
Lust, it needs to be thrown out. You know? Lying needs to be thrown out. There's a lot of things in our life that are just sitting. They need to be thrown out. We need to trash them. There's also some of these things that, like sports, it's not a bad thing. You're not going to hell if you play a sport. But maybe it needs to be reprioritized in our heart. It doesn't need to be a mess. It can't be above God. Maybe that's entertainment for you. You know, maybe for entertainment, again, the movies aren't going to send you to hell. But maybe they need to be reprioritized. If they're greater than God in your life, maybe they just need to be cleaned up. You know, it reminds me of when I was a kid. Every year, my parents, they would do a garage sale. And this garage sale, it took place at a very specific time every year. Because whatever money we would make from that garage sale, we'd use on our Disneyland vacation that year. And so what we would do is my sister and I, my parents would have us go and get all the toys we don't play with anymore. We'd go sell all these toys out in, the, you know, out in our driveway. And whatever money we made, we got to go and buy new things, whatever we wanted while we were at Disneyland. That was our spending money. So man, I was taking all kinds of things. If I didn't play with it, you know, you know that week, I was taking it out there, I'm like, let's get rid of this thing. I want that money, so I go buy something new and awesome at Disneyland. And this is how I feel today, church. I feel like there's some of us that are trying so hard to hold on to the old things. We're trying so hard to hold on to some old ways, some old toys. And God is saying, look, I have something new for you. I have something better for you. But the problem is I don't have any room in your heart. I don't have any room in your toy box. It's time to get rid of a few things. See, God's going to point out a few things if you pray this prayer. God, search my heart. He's going to point out some things. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I believe it's time for some of us to take some action. I want to let you leave here today with some action steps. Here's the first one. First thing we need to do is confess our sins to God. Confess our sins to God. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, if we confess our sins to God, He's going to cleanse our wickedness. The wicked hearts we have, He's going to clean it up. You don't even have to do the cleaning. He's going to do it for you. But there's a scripture we don't read as often as that one. And that's verse 10. See, verse 9 feels good. God's going to clean up my mess for me. But verse 10 is something we skip. But let's look at it today. This is what it says. It says, if we claim that we have not sinned, if we don't own our mess, if we act like the mess isn't there, and we just go along, skipping along our day, acting like we're justifying all these things that we're doing, then what does it say? It says, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. We don't have room for him in our toy box anymore. He's not willing to get rid of a few things. 
that aren't pleasing to him. The second action is this that we need to do. This one's uncomfortable. We need to confess our sins to others. Confess our sins to others. It says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, if you want to know why being a part of a small group is so important, this is it right here. I know we have catchy phrases that we say like, you know, we don't do life in rows, we do life in circles. That's all true. But small groups is not just about catchy phrases. It's about healing. It's important that you get into a small group and do life with each other. Keep each other accountable. Pray for each other. Lift each other up. Don't tear them down. So I want to encourage you today, our small group uh, semester, our list went up today. So sign up for a small group. Be a part of it. It's so important, especially if you're dealing with some of these things that I, I've talked about earlier today. Here's the thing. Why live in the mess when you can have forgiveness and healing? Why choose the mess? So God, search me. God, know me. God, confront me. Let's look at what David said. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, lead me. Once God has shown you some of these things that need to be Moved. Some of these things that need to be reprioritized. Some of these things that need to be relocated. Now you're saying, God, I'm ready. Lead me in your way. I want to live for you. God, I want my identity to be in you, not in my mess. I don't want my identity in my clutter. I want my identity in you. God, expose that special thing. God, search my heart. It's a bold prayer. But if you're willing to go all in, if you're brave enough to pray it, I promise this is one that's going to change your life. Amen. Did you receive that word today? Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, looking around you say Mike look I got a mess I have a mess there's so many things in me that no one else even knows I need help I need cleansing whatever that mess is maybe it's an addiction maybe it's just the fact that you're just living in a way that's dishonoring to God. Whatever that is, you know and so does God. And I don't need to know. I want you to know that God sees that. He still loves you. He still wants to clean the mess. And he still wants to pull out that special thing out of you that he's put in you. He's saying you have purpose. We just have to clean up some of the mess. 
So that's you today. No one looking around. I just want to pray for you. Say, yeah, Mike, that's me. I have a mess that needs cleaned up. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, Mike, pray for me. Amen. I see those hands. I have a mess. God, we love you. And God, in the midst of living within this mess, sometimes we live with shame. We live with guilt. We live with this anxiety and this depression. Because we know our behind the scenes. We know what's inside our heart. But God, we want freedom. And God, we're ready for you to clean up our hearts. To clean our mess. To remove a few things. To allow good people that you've put in our life to speak into our life and be there for us. To stop putting on the exterior that everything's okay. And start pursuing and being a person after God's heart. God, clean our mess. If you're here today, you say, Mike, look, I, I'm not even living for God at all. I'm not living for him. Maybe you never have. You've never asked him to be a part of your life go all in or maybe at some point you were living for God and things kind of got off course the mess became a distraction you began to just focus more on your mess than you did on him and what he's put in you you say Mike I want a fresh start today see this is the part that's between you and God and confess to God your sins and he will forgive that's that first step Let's not live in our mess. Let's allow there to be forgiveness. So if you're here today and say, Mike, I want a fresh start in my life. I want to live for God. I want to walk in His ways. If that's you, no one's looking around. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, pray for me. as a family for those that are taking that step and saying I'm going to live for God I'm making a fresh start so will you pray this with me God I love you and thank you for sending your son to die for me to cleanse my wickedness and to give me a fresh start God I want to live for you from today until forever it's in Jesus name I pray and the whole church said a big celebrating a Man, come on, church.